back to All for Business podcast. I'm Ryan Weeks, and today we have two very special guests with us today. Drum roll! Introducing at small forward, standing just short, just shy of six feet, Patrick Bowling. And introducing Leah Stiegler, standing at just right around 5'9". No one's exactly sure. <laughs> Point guard, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> we thought that would be fun, you guys. Uh, March Madness <laughs> is here. If you could see me right now, I'm wearing a uh, Woods Rogers basketball jersey. Basketball jersey. It's kind of cool. Because she works for Woods Rogers, being a management side labor and employment attorney. For them, as am I, Patrick Bowling. So how about that? Well, that was the best intro I've had. I've heard this so far, so I'm excited. Yeah, Leah and Patrick, thanks for being here today. Um, our topic today is mental health, mental health in the workplace. Um, you guys are really experts in that. I've come to learn very quickly. Um, so I'm excited to talk with you guys today and just hear your thoughts, how we can just do better in the workplace, create better environments for people. Um, and talk about mental health from you know the legal side, the health side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's it's a topic you that mm-hmm. employers can't ignore, right? We're you you don't turn the news on a- anymore and see and not see incidents of people acting out on airplanes, uh, in in stadium seating situations. I mean, we're in a we we just we're hopefully getting out of a pandemic, and this is a situation where. <clears throat> Everybody's probably dealing with something. Yeah. Out of the pandemic into, you know, a war. I think, I, I, I think nothing's, nothing is going to change. I think there's something. People are worn out and they're tired and it's going to spill over into the workplace. It does every single day. I mean, we can, we can say the tough it, and the way we don't have to dive right into law, but I mean, the way that it comes into our lives with our clients is phone calls about, you know, ADA concerns with folks who have um, mental disabilities and how that bleeds into work. You know, that that's how we see it. That's how I see it. Most of the time is that someone is some, something has happened at work and usually it comes up in the way of, um, a performance issue or a workplace violence issue, workplace violence issue or a conduct issue. But the, the key, the, the key thing is to know is that if someone has a mental health issue, it's always going to come up in conjunction with performance issues or conduct issues right. because no one's, no one who's going through a mental hardship is like killing it at work. It's always going to be, they're not doing a great job or they're having uh, conflict with a coworker or with their supervisor, and then it comes out that the real stem, the real cause of the issue is 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 so that that they're not okay, right. you know. Right. So that's how we see it: it's daily calls. Yeah. So during the pandemic, have you guys seen a, a rise in mental health issues or legal issues involving you know people getting fired because of their mental health? Or yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't necessarily say fired because of their mental health, mm-hmm. right? To tag on to what Patrick said, usually an employer is trying to deal with a performance situation right. or a behavioral situation, whether that is an outburst of some sort. Um, and it comes out that the employees 
behavior or the reason they're struggling with um, with their performance is some mental health concern. And so we have certainly seen, I mean, I think I saw a statistic that 50% of Virginians have some form of, or exhibit some form of depression or anxiety. And so you can certainly see that's trickling into the workplace. And that statistic was taken in 2021 where, you know, we're right in the heart of the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think there are more instances of burnout, which, which I think it can be, or it's going to be, it's going to go that. So those symptoms are going to go hand in hand with, you know, what, what Leah just mentioned, you know, depression, um, anxiety. I've got a, I looked up before we came Harvard business review listed the six root causes of burnout and how, how to avoid them. But here are the, here are the causes that they give feeling like you have no control, not getting acknowledged, having poor relationships with coworkers, being treated unfairly by your boss, having different values than your employer. So can, how does all of that tie into, um, you know, into, I don't mean, I don't think we're listing a, a ADA covered disability right here, but it's all going to tie in together. You know, I mean, you as a supervisor are going to be able, or your supervisors are going to be able to know or should be paying attention to this, you know, amongst their, their workforce. I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with that in the sense, you know, we, you have to be empathetic. And I think you have to train your managers to actually manage employees. And I like, because I'm wearing a basketball jersey, I will liken it to coaching, right? If anyone has done coaching, you, you know that your players are all different. Some of them react better to tough love. Some of them react better to positive reinforcement and employees are just the same way. And so having managers, uh, good managers in a sense and well-trained managers that they can look at an employee and say, you know, Patrick seems a little disengaged. Let me go talk to him. Let me figure out what's going on. Uh, or Leah's missing a lot of work and she's been here eight years and hasn't had this issue before. So is there something going on in her life or is she struggling with something and how can we help? Right. Employers right. have to have that empathetic side as well. Yeah. I think especially now, I, I think before the pandemic or before the great resignation, as they're calling it, there was a more of a, I'm the boss, you do what I say. And that sort of an attitude passed in the workplace to some extent. I'm not saying it was okay or that it didn't cause problems, but now I think the power is more on the employee's side to say, we don't really want to live in that sort of a world. You know, and and we don't. I don't think as managers, employees, just people. I mean, really, we're just talking about people. Yeah. Yes, it sounds like to me that the employer-employee dynamic is the key to maybe finding solutions to these kind of problems. Um, so, what would you say are some of those ways that they employers and employees can come together and you know meet in the middle? How can we solve the great resignation? How can we? I mean, that's a big issue. Yeah. But how can we? come together, have those conversations, figure out what is causing the symptoms, you know, that, that people see in the workplace from mental health and how can we solve the original problem, right? With great power yeah. comes great responsibility. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Said by, is it Spider-Man? <laughs> Someone like oh, that. So close. Uncle Ben. Oh, Uncle Ben, okay. I told you guys I'm not going to pop culture. Is that a real Uncle Ben quote or is he quoting someone else? Is that where it came from? Do we know? Uh, 
He says it. He says it. There we go. That's all we need to know. You heard it here. You heard it here first. Um, No, I mean, you you said a very really interesting thing, Ryan, and that is that the dynamic is this employer-employee relationship, and employers are in a very powerful position. You have access to a number of employees, all these different people under you, whether they're struggling with something now or they, they, they've gotten over something or there's something on the horizon, you're going to be put in the position where you have to address it. You can't ignore it anymore. Right. So Patrick, you know, let's play this out. I think that would kind of be helpful, right? In terms of how does an employer find that solution? Mm-hmm. So your HR or your manager, and you see me, I'm getting up from work late. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm crawling in the door. That's not unlike me in a general <laughs> sense. This is not exactly a hypothetical Are you asking yet. for a friend here? <laughs> Hypothetically, <laughs> if, if I were to be crawling into the, into the office at 11 a.m. and right. my start time is 9 a.m. and you're right. saying, you know, I mean, and this is not behavior I've exhibited in the past. I've, I've been a pretty decent employee. As, a, as, a, as my manager, my supervisor, do you sit back? Do you terminate me? Do you, what's, what's the next step? I don't know. I, it, well, I mean, I, you always in the workplace as an employer have the right and the ability and the responsibility, really, to manage your employee's behavior, right? And so I think you can manage the behavior. That's sort of, you've got really two issues. I mean, one is you can, you can manage the behavior that's happening and address, you know, you really do need to be here by 9 a.m. But I think that, the other thing to be aware of is that there could be underlying health issues that are causing the behavior, right? And so, you know, maybe just sit down and have, you know, you definitely don't want to ask information that's going to ask questions that are going to unfairly elicit, um, elicit information about someone's disability. But you can just, I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with sitting down and going, you know, are you okay? What's going on? Yeah, you've you seen know, pretty disengaged. You, yeah, right. you, you know, because then you're just asking about the behavior. Right. You know, you're not necessarily asking about someone's, what ADA, let me pause and just say what ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act says is that you can't elicit uh, information about someone's disability or, or you can't ask questions that would likely elicit information about someone's disability. Yeah. On that note, let me ask you this. I mean, an employee, is an employee required to automatically disclose to an employer, whether it's through a job application process or during employment, that they are struggling with a mental health issue or that they're diagnosed with PTSD? No, right. They might want to keep it private for whatever reason. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that the employer can't manage their behavior. It's just that we, and we say this all the time. We always see that a lot of times where this comes up, this has been probably four or five times this month, I feel like, is that an employer will call us and will say, you know, I'm getting ready to terminate this person because they haven't been showing up to work, whatever it is. They have, they've been getting in fights with their coworkers that are disrupting the workplace, whatever it is. And they're like, we're going to fire them. And then they go in to terminate them or they go in to discipline them, say. And then the, the person throws up their hands and says, well... You know, I, I've got, I've got, uh, I'm depressed or I'm anxious and I've got to uh, take FMLA leave. I've got to take FMLA leave. And then the employer is just sitting there like, okay, what do I do here? Anything that I do right now is going to look like I'm trying to, because what you can't do is take an action against someone based on their covered disability. Right. Because of that. It looks retaliatory, right? So you have to be careful that your actions don't even appear retaliatory. Yeah. 
It's funny that you brought this example up because on the drive over here, I received a call from an employer who was conducting a harassment investigation into a certain department. And the alleged bad actor quickly realized what was going on, was interviewed by HR, noticed other employees were going to inter- going to be interviewed mm-hmm. by HR, and immediately fi- filed or requested FMLA certification paperwork mm-hmm. um, saying that they struggle with mental health concerns. That... The, the employer has approved the FMLA and now is working, I think you were describing it earlier, Patrick, on a parallel track, yeah. right? You've got in one situation, you're managing performance issues and behavior issues. So yeah. just like that hypothetical earlier with my hypothetical Leah situation of... Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely know, not Leah situation. Definitely not Leah situation. <laughs> Coming into work late, right? You're going to manage that performance. That might res- warrant a, an occurrence, a corrective action of some sort. But on a parallel track... You know, if it elicits throughout that disciplinary process or performance, you know, improvement process that, hey, I'm I'm in need of some kind of medical leave or some kind of reasonable accommodation to like time off for counseling, mm-hmm. then an employer's got to be able to address those two things on those separate tracks without it coming across as retaliation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's exactly right. You've got two different tracks. You can address the behavior, but just be aware that you're dealing with a human being. Right. And, you know, the the easiest way out of the situation is not, I hate to say it, not to think like a lawyer, but to think like a person who is dealing with another person. Because like we said in the you know, the list of Harvard business review, whatever it was, those causes, not feeling heard, what were they? Feeling like you have no control, not getting acknowledged, okay? You can acknowledge their feelings, right? This is just basic, like, preschool, learning how to be a person to other people sort of stuff that we've somehow lost sight of. Having having poor relationships with coworkers. You know, people are people. People will have conflict with people. You know, that's yeah. something that... Um, so going back to that example where the employee who is being investigated for harassment seeks sort of almost in a... Uh, preemptive manner seeks to try to become untouchable in a sense and go out on FMLA leave. You know, this employee is claiming now some kind of mental health condition. Um, and so the employer is like, well, what do I do? And going, going back to your side of things, you know, yes, move forward with that discipline, that corrective action. Maybe on, maybe you finish your investigation and you say, look, this warrants certainly some additional harassment training, some civility training of some sort. Um, but on, on another, and, and a corrective action. But on the other track, this employee may very well be dealing with a mental health concern. And we can't we can't sort of take that mentality that everyone is crying wolf in a sense. Um, and so maybe maybe the the result coming back is when an employee comes back and you you've got behavioral problems, you can request that they engage with an EAP process. I also recommend often when you've got a manager with with uh, outbursts of some sort, and there's clearly some kind of underlying mental health concern, you know, it's not above an employer to be able to say, hey, have you considered anger management classes? You know, we want you to work to be, continue yeah, to be a train up your managers. Here. Yeah, but we think you need to undergo this, and we're going to require that, in fact. And that would, that, that would be, you know, an intervention, too, to prevent whatever. Whatever is being, you know, one thing that is sort of rudimentary here is that you, the company is the manager's. So there's no, the thing that will 
attach liability under something like ADA or any of the EEO laws are the actions of the managers. And so if you've got a manager who's going through something, I think it's sort of the same, you raise a good point, it's sort of the same thing. You address their behavior, and if it's anger that is infecting their actions towards their than the employees below them, then you could end up with a whole different set of problems because it's not like it's an employee to employee issue that you're, you don't, maybe the company doesn't know about. And so maybe therefore can't be responsible for it's a manager acting. And so that means it's the company acting. And so intervening for a manager that has a mental health issue is just as important as, as you know, a manager intervening with an, an employee that has a, an issue. So, Ryan, to answer your question. <laughs> what was the original question? Um, there's definitely no one-size-fits-all approach. In, right. in any situation, an employer does have an obligation, though. You, you can't just terminate somebody because they've exhibited a mental health problem. You can't just automatically you know, di- separate yourself, in a sense, from somebody um, because you assume that maybe they're, if they have PTSD, you assume they can't do the job or that they're going to be threatening. You as the employer have an obligation under the Americans with Disabilities Act, which Patrick has brought up a number of times, before you go that route to first consider, are you aware that this person may need a reasonable accommodation? And in fact, does in fact a reasonable accommodation exist, right? And mm-hmm. that's where you get into something called the interactive process. That is the back and forth. So... I come in to work late. That's Patrick sitting down across from me asking me, hey, what's going on? You mm-hmm. seem disengaged. Yep. Me telling him I struggle with this with depression. Mm-hmm. And that's why I can't just can't get out of bed. <clears throat> and him saying, well, what can we do to help? And then we go back and forth and we're engaged in an interactive process to find yeah. a solution. And, and I mean, Patrick, you know, how early on do you think that maybe an employee's healthcare provider has to get involved, if at all? I mean, you, so we have... What you should have is uh, an, it's an, called an ADA medical questionnaire. And at some point, you may get to the point where you realize that, well, this has sort of become a medical issue. I don't understand. The key question is, under ADA, can this person, with or without a reasonable accommodation, perform the essential duties and functions of their job, right? Mm-hmm. And that question might not be able to ans- be answered by you, and it might have to be answered by a healthcare provider. And so you can give the employee the form and their job description that contains a descript, you know, contains a description of their essential job functions, send it off to the healthcare provider. Healthcare provider can look down the list and say, okay, this person has this sort of a disability. These are the essential job functions that they can't perform because of their limitations. And then once you get that back, you're still in the interactive process. You go through that list and find out, okay, this person is able to do this, this, and this. That's what I always say during our trainings is that ADA is really about uh, ability and not disability. Because the employer's mindset should always be what can they do, not what what can't they do. I know it's sort of two sides of the same coin, but just sort of put your dualistic mind aside for a second and just think, focus on what, 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 what can they do for me that I need done. And that, I think, will keep you... That's like 99% of the way there to keep you out of trouble. Just that one turn on how you think about it in my my opinion right yeah i think you answered part of my next question already is um as an employer you're interacting with an employee who might have a mental health issue their their workload is 
or something about their work is not as good as it once was mm-hmm. or up, up to what they were doing before. Where is that line where you want to stop trying to, you know, interact with them personally and start seeking kind of outside help, like a mental health expert, mm-hmm. a healthcare expert, or legal team that's, you know, not internally in your in your company? Where is that line where you want to, you know, search wider than just that personal relationship? Yeah, well, I'll start by just saying, again, I'm going to sort of keep on this sort of idea of we have two different tracks here. One is addressing, one is being a person to another person, and one is sort of thinking about the company's legal liability. Legally, I would say that the most helpful thing to do is be talking to people like Leah and I off the, I'm not trying to sell here, I'm just telling you this is legitimately what we do every day so we can help you, Mm -hmm. but talking sort of in the background of, okay, do we have this? Bouncing ideas off of everyone to protect the company, right? But then your job really is to be a person to that person. Don't cut off the interactive process and if you can at all avoid it, I think. The hard cases are going to be where there's not good faith on the part of the employee, I think. I mean, I you know, for there are the ones, I often find, the ones who really need help under ADA, not always, but often don't they're they they're for, are for some reason resistant to getting it don't you think leah i mean yeah almost sometimes even a victim mentality of they're refusing to acknowledge that they they sometimes are their own downfall yeah and so then the so then you're left with the hard cases of someone strategically bringing up ada to protect themselves from being terminated or disciplined or, or put on a pip or something you know i think you want to be, if you just look at it from a common sense standpoint, regardless of, of any legal obligation, you, if you ever get dragged in front of a jury, you want to be able to make the argument in front of the jury of what more could we have done? We offered this. We intervened early. We ch- tried working with the employee's health care provider. We offered the employee local counseling services or anger- EAP. Exactly, EAP. You want to be able to show that you went that mile right. in light of knowing that this employee is a human being, was, is trying to work a job, struggles with some kind of mental health issue. and ultimately, Like most of us do. Exactly. And if you get to a point where you say, we tried everything we possibly could, what more could we have done? We still have a business to run. Let's not forget about that angle of things. And so, yes, we did have to terminate this employee because we got to a, a a situation where they weren't performing the essential functions. And nothing we could do would enable them to do the job, the only job that we needed done. I mean, that's that's the limit, right? I, I had a, have a great example from this. I had a call last week from a client who had an employee who was recently hired. They were hired as a case manager to go check on foster kids in, in certain foster care services. And so they had to actually go and do site visits as part of their job duties. Well, it came to light two to three months into this new hire's employment that she was not actually going to do site visits, but was rather just calling the households and saying, hey, how's everything going? And so, you know, the supervisor, rightly so, gets HR involved and says, I want to terminate this person. They're a new hire. I just see a lot of red flags here. We said, okay, let's hold up. Let's Let's first try discipline. Let's first, maybe this employee doesn't yet understand or hasn't had good enough training to understand that they actually have to go do site visits. Well, in starting that conversation, the employee said, well, look, 
I su suffer from social anxiety and I really, I can't go. I, I thought I could, but I can't go and do and, and actually go door to door. And the employer said, well, let's terminate them because they lied. They, they said they could do the job and they clearly couldn't. Is that really lying? I don't think that's lying. I no. This I sounds mean, like a legit case here. I mean, yeah, this is. I, I mean, this person very well probably thought I can do this job. I can get over my fears. I can get this done. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm right. a social worker. Yeah. I can do this. But then they 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 start the job and they realize very quickly this isn't for me. Yeah. And so the employer is sitting back saying, okay. Um, we're at that position where I'm talking to them. I'm saying, well, you got to be able to say what more could you have done, right? Yeah. So she's admitted she has this issue. Are there services we could offer? Um, is there, you know, we can certainly address the performance on the one parallel track. So provide a corrective action, make sure she has a performance improvement plan saying you got to be able to do this essential function of the job. But we don't necessarily have to accept you know, or take, remove an essential function mm -hmm. merely because an employee can't do that essential function. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, something too, maybe Ryan, maybe you can post this with the, sure. with the podcast is that, and I've found this hugely helpful. I don't know why more people don't use it, but the job accommodation network, I always mention this in our talks, jan.org is like, uh, I think it's run by the department of labor or one of one of them, it might be a branch of the Department of Labor. But, but anyway, what it is is it's a website that's government-funded or at least government-operated that has a list of disabilities on it, like a drop-down window. Mm -hmm. You can select them and go in and get suggestions as to what are reasonable accommodations for that particular disability, which is huge. I mean, if you go through that as an employer and kind of say, okay, well, this one won't work because of this reason. This one won't work because of that reason. And, you know, hopefully you find one because hopefully you've got good employees that you want to keep despite their, you know, their humanity because they're just people with, with problems like anyone else. But if you can go through that list and even if you can't find an accommodation for them, just being able to say that you that we tried and we right. looked through everything on here and just it just wouldn't work for this reason or that. That's a really good point. You as the employer, you don't have to accept the employee's requested accommodation. So going back to that situation, the hypothetical situation of Leah coming in late. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I keep saying to you, well, you know what, Patrick, I want my hours instead to be from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. You don't have to necessarily accept that. Maybe I'm a receptionist and I have to be there at 8 a.m., 9 a.m. to open up the doors. Mm -hmm. So, again, you don't have to accept the employee's requested accommodation, but you can't just say, you're going to lose if you say, oh, we can't do that. You have to be able to consider what the employee suggests, as irrational as it might, might be, and go back to the employee and say, we've looked into your request, and here's why. Here's why. Here's yeah. why. We, here are the <laughs> obstacles we faced. Finances. We have certain core hours that we need someone to be here. We mm -hmm. can't necessarily adjust this due to whatever you know burden. It's essentially putting a burden on us. But instead... We're willing to consider offering the EAP. We're willing to consider allowing you to work from home, you know, for, a, for the initial hour and mm -hmm. take care of this and then to come in. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you something else, too, that I've become a big fan of in recent years is people forget that you can do temporary accommodations. Mm -hmm. So if someone proposes an accommodation, you're like, I really don't think this is going to work. 
But for whatever reason, you know, you can't, it's, maybe it's hard to articulate. Maybe I'll tell you what a lot of people saw during the pandemic, specifically with remote work, was that it worked for a little while, or at least worked during the pandemic. And so then, so say, this is an example situation we saw often during the pandemic was everyone went remote March, you know, what, 12th, 2020, or not everyone, but a lot of people did. So then you've got a span of time before people started coming back to the office. I don't know, like, I, well, I don't really remember when I came back to the office, but anyway, a few months. <laughs> I've locked those. A few. Evil, I have. It's all fuzz. It's getting dark, but I can't you, be isolated with my own thoughts anymore. Right. It, right. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but the point I'm trying to make is that, that remote working worked for some period of time. And then employers started calling people back into the office, we found. And when they did, uh, there were a lot of um, employees who didn't want to come back. And the reasons that they gave were mental health issues. And so there was an ADA accommodation process that was kicked off. What the problem with that was that they were asking to continue doing something that had arguably been working. And so if the, for the employer to say, no, that's an unreasonable accommodation, permanent remote work is not going to work for us, was going to be difficult. EEOC addressed it in a some guidance, I think, and just said that, uh, you know, addressed it sort of in a straightforward way, saying, you know, an employer can determine that attendance is an essential function of the job, which is, which is true. But the problem you're going to find, and what I'm driving at is, in the same way a temporary accommodation might work for you because you might be able to give someone an accommodation that they're requesting for a month. Say it's remote work. You don't know whether it's going to work. You don't think it is, but you just say, let's try it on a trial basis. And then you've got a month long period where you can say, okay, this didn't get done. That didn't get done or whatever, or maybe it works. And you think, okay, fine. This person, you know, can, can remote remote work into the future. Fine. But you at least have that sort of finite period where you can try it out. Yeah, never say, we don't do this here. Or we've never right. done it that at way. At least not without good reason. We've never done it that way as a terrible reason. I hate I hate hearing that. Yeah. It is, it's I, like, well, for so whatever, what? whatever it is, we've yeah. never dressed that way. Yeah, <laughs> right. Done what does that matter? Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because y'all ain't been doing it right. That's it's like, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like when the internet came out. Well, we're not going to use the internet because we've never used the internet. Antiquated. It's not, yeah, it's not. It's, it's not like, a reason. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't seek us for your defense in that case. Um, it, it's funny you you talked about that temporary accommodation because I had a situation where an employer called recently and they had an employee who was a collections specialist at a bank and she worked hourly. She her daughter was. Uh, some kind of car accident or something, and all of a sudden started suffering from panic attacks. And so her daughter would have these flare-ups and would need to take time off of school and be picked up and and essentially go home and calm down, do some therapy. So the employee requested from HR a family medical leave, which rightly so, she was eligible for and entitled. And the employee didn't need some kind of lump sum 12 weeks of leave, but what the employee needed was intermittent leave or leave in a manner that worked where if her daughter had a flare up Mm -hmm. every few weeks, she could clock out, go take care of her daughter um, and either make up the time later or whatnot. And the employer originally said, well, you know, we have very core hours. We're a bank. You got to be here from this time to this time. And so 
we because originally we said, okay, well, could she make up her hours on the weekend? That's what the employee wanted to do, and you know, finish her collections calls. And the employer said, no, that's an undue burden because we are, for whatever reason, required by certain regulations to call within these certain hours. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which is nice, right? You don't want to get those mm-hmm. calls on the weekends. Yeah, say, no, Woo. Right. yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> my loan is overdue. <laughs> um, so the instead the the um, uh, we talked about this idea of the employee, employee really just needed to be home with her daughter, picked her up from school. And so could we set the employee up remotely? So they bought an extra laptop that set the employee up at home and they'd never done a remote work situation, but they said, okay, in order to address the daughter's mental health needs and our work conditions, we will try this on a temporary basis, allow you to work from home to make your collections calls. But if we see that they're not getting done or if you're unable to because you've got to be more maybe hands-on with your daughter in a situation, um, then we can go back to the drawing board. So mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right. Try things yeah. out temporarily. Yeah. And yeah. Put that in writing. Yeah. And that case is interesting too because it brings up sort of this idea of associational uh, discrimination under, under ADA. You know, there's the idea that ADA really only protects the employee not necessarily a family. And um, it's a little different under FMLA. FMLA and ADA are often intertwined when you're looking at them because they deal with similar issues. But there is, there are, there are cases, and they, it's jurisdiction by jurisdiction really, where someone could claim, well, you discriminated against me because of my association with someone with a disability, whether that's sort of a family relationship or, a, or whatever. You know, so um, be aware of that. <laughs> I didn't realize how much you talked with your hands. Yeah, am I a hand talker? Yeah, he's definitely a hand talker. She's, she's I'm lying. Just People it. out there, she's like, lying. You don't. You have no way of knowing whether that's true it, or not. No, but in his defense, if you could see his the motioning of his hands, it's totally getting the point across. Is it? A, a ten times better. Oh, good. It's not distracting. No. Obviously okay. Good. Not. Of course not. Not to anyone who's listening. I know that. <laughs> well, I've learned a lot so far, and I think we've talked a lot about. The problems and maybe some of the solutions. Can we talk about some of maybe the preventative measures that mm. probably an employer mostly would take in order to mm-hmm. you know, just prevent the problem in the first place in the workplace? Dude, break down the stigma. I can't okay. emphasize yeah. that enough. Yeah. Um, there is way too much of a stigma regarding mental health. And you don't have to look far to see that Simone Biles is there's that great commercial out right now. Have you guys, has anyone seen that pause commercial with her? There's this commercial where it's, I think it's like, dude, this is going to be bad on terms of marketing. Um, Gatorade or Powerade commercial. (laughs) One of the two. One of them. One of them. Edit out whichever one it's not. Okay. (laughs) And the word dude three times. Um, (laughs) But the whole point of the commercial is that it's okay to take a pause. And the whole, and the commercial is trying to break down that stigma of athletes have to be on the go 24 seven. And so it's okay Mm -hmm. to, sit back, sit out on the sideline and let other people engage in the game for a while. And so I think HR and and business leaders to be progressive in this area and to get ahead of it, you have to be able to break down that that stigma. Yeah, and I think too there's a lot preventative have just make your make wherever you're working a good place to work. Like you keep, it you keep do some fun stuff. Stop working. And do some fun stuff. Like, it's, tw- it's we have been through two years of pure 
you know what. And it's 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 been awful. Everyone's been cloistered up at home, away from each other. Um, it's depressing. Yeah. Everyone is coming back to the office now if they're not already. Don't work in the office like you worked at home. Shut up alone somewhere. Quit doing stuff for work and go do something with each other. Try to try to get some of that back that that we I feel take, like we take lost. your employees bowling, take do them hiking, something. get them outdoors. Yeah, you know, have a go 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 to happy hour again. Yeah. Just I I think it's sort of this sort of lost um, just being good to each other. That that would just be good to each other. I mean, it's so simple. I think yeah. it is so simple. Yeah. It's hard, easier said than done because, you know, the pressure, the competition, the pace of work and business is so much now. And and make sure, yes. you, you know, from the actual business side of things too, update your policies and make sure employees are aware that they can come to you with these concerns. So if you mm-hmm. want to be preventative about this situation, having letting an employee know that the minute they're struggling with something or that if they've you know, before it gets to a performance problem, that they can speak with a manager, they can speak with HR, and that we will consider ways that we can help them. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point because just thinking about that in, in previous places that I've worked, I've no, I've had no idea how I would go about doing that if I had mm-hmm. an issue. Like, what is the process? How do I get mm-hmm. help? So, I yeah, think that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, I think it's what's what's. This is sort of a crude way to say it, but what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So, I mean, if you uh, if what you want is for is to be successful in business, then you want your people to feel like they, each one of them is being successful. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to be successful, like I said. No one's killing it at work when they're struggling, you know. And so I think it's, it's if you talk about the bottom line, it's almost the bottom, bottom line, the one that doesn't even appear on the ledger, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Happiness. That's Happiness. it. No, there's a, there really about. are a ton of studies about that. You know, the happier your employees are, the more productive your overall business operations are, more profitable. It's, a, it's amazing to me that we even need to study that. Really, like, isn't it just so basic? <laughs> that, like, let's just figure out how to be happy with each other, and then so many of our problems will solve each other. I know I sound like a Pollyanna here, but I, I really do <laughs> believe that in my heart of hearts. And, and training managers, I don't think we can emphasize that enough. Training yeah. them to recognize signs, to be empathetic, whether those signs are mental health concerns like disengagement, falling asleep at work, sloppiness, or some form of outburst, workplace violence. Training managers to be able to respond appropriately. Yeah. You never want a case, and I've had this before, where the facts warranted and certainly a finding for the employee because they kept explaining they were struggling with something and the supervisor's response was well suck it up you you can cut you come to work get your work done and go Mm -hmm. home and then deal with your problems right and go run to your mommy allegations like that you're never going to win a case when a supervisor is doing that because at that point you're on notice you might need to offer some form of accommodation yeah 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 that's a really bad look So is there anything else we haven't talked about that I've missed? Oh, there's tons that we haven't talked about. I don't want to talk about the Duke game. Um, Well, let let me say that what you as a business do matters. Mm -hmm. There was a case that came out recently 
against Activation Blizzard. That's the company that does World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah. Am I speaking to mm-hmm. the choir on this? No, I, no. <laughs> I, I know. I didn't know there was a case. I don't know this case. I don't think, but. No, but I mean, do you play World of Warcraft? No, but I know what it is. Okay, gotcha. No, I'm I'm still on Super Mario. I still haven't beaten Super Mario, <laughs> so I'm still stuck on Super Mario. <laughs> I, I don't doubt that. <laughs> it's I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, so in the in this situation, uh, this recently came out about a, two weeks ago. The family of an employee sued Activation Blizzard because for a wrongful death case, their daughter was at a workplace conference and committed suicide at the conference and the allegations are that at the conference the night before other employees were passing around pictures of her genitals that someone had you know some someone had obtained in some sense um and uh the employee was also having an illicit affair with her boss who was married with a, a newborn and didn't want to take that relationship a step further and so this employee had been struggling with these these issues, and part of the allegations kind of tie in this overall workplace culture situation of a frat like game you know Game Boy culture, right. and um, that they're you know demeaning of women or sort of inconsiderate of these types of concerns, and that the employer didn't do enough to recognize the early signs that this employee was struggling with. And whether that was conducting a harassment investigation uh, of some sort and kind of intervening, right? You as the employer can't can't be silent anymore in a number of senses. An employer has to intervene um, because you might get into a situation where they're not facing an ADA lawsuit or an FMLA lawsuit or a harassment lawsuit. They're facing a wrongful death lawsuit because perhaps they, you know, didn't intervene in the way they should have. So what you do and what you don't do as an employer, that matters. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll just add on to that. I you know, I think probably my if we're what we haven't talked about that I think is important is that it's just to know that there are no perfect workplaces, no perfect employees, um, no perfect businesses. Everyone is imperfect and you've got to handle and live with the people that you've got. And address the humans and not the, you know, the producers, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for being here today and for talking about this. It can be a hard topic sometimes, but yeah. I think what you guys have talked about can be very helpful for our members, anyone listening. So Hope thank so. Thank you very much for being here today. No, thank you for having yeah, us. thank you. Yeah.